Hi there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by our new sponsor, Native Shark. Now, you might recall we had a chat with Nicholas Walker a couple of weeks ago, whose uh, family is in the process of buying their first Japanese real estate property investment. And then on the second part of that episode, we did talk about the platforming bits, and we'll link to that in the show notes. So what Native Shark does is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. You just show up, you click a button that says study now, and the platform will then show you exactly what you need to learn next. Now, I've tried it out myself, and I've also read a lot of the comments that the other students make in the community forums, which is one of the best parts of the platform. So apparently students who use Native Shark every day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of study at a university. And that's no joke. They teach all of the types of language that you wouldn't normally get in traditional schools or textbooks, etc. Um, like one of the students wrote, the more he uses the platform, the more he gets compliments from his co-workers about his level of Japanese, and especially on how he uses phrases that no one would expect a non-native speaker to use. So really, really useful platform. And if you heard about it here on the podcast, you also get a bit of a perk. You can sign up using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI. We'll link to it in this episode's show notes. That's native without an E, so N-A-T-I-V shark or one word, dot com forward slash NTI. If you use that link to sign up, you'll get a double length free trial. So two weeks instead of the one week. And you can sign up for that free trial without having to put in your credit card or anything of that sort. So definitely worth checking out. Okay, so for today's episode, if you've been with us for a while now, you probably recall the episode in which we had a nice long chat with Tom Legg, who's originally from the UK. And when we spoke to him a couple of years ago, he was actually just starting the process of building his own house in Osaka. And he told us about everything that he was up to up until that point, how he and his wife actually realized that they want to build their own home rather than buy an older one and renovate it, and how they also decided to design it by themselves rather than buy one of those, um, you know, cookie cutter type housing packages that you see so many of in Japan. And then how they decided on which company to use, whether or not to outsource their own architect or designer versus using the one provided by the builder and so on and so forth. So the house is well and truly built and they're absolutely loving it. And we've asked Tom to come back on the program and let us know how the rest of the project went. So what sort of unexpected or unplanned deviations they've had from their original plan along the way, how much everything cost, how long it all took, and whether they're happy with the result. Spoiler alert, they definitely are happy with the result. So here it is, our second conversation with Tom Legg about building and then finishing to build your very own Japanese home. Enjoy, and I'll see you again on the other side. Tom, welcome back, man. Great to have you on the show again. It's nice to be back. Good to, good to speak to you. It is. So that, I mean, we spoke last, I think, in 2000, was it 18 or 19? A lifetime ago, anyway. Um, mm. And that was a very long uh, two years or so that we all went through, especially you. I mean, not only the pandemic and the new house, which we'll get into in a minute, but you're also a daddy now, aren't you? Uh, I am, yes. How's uh, that been for working out for you? Um, well, it's challenging. Um, it's, it's good fun some of the time. Um, not all of the time. <laughs> uh, you see, I mean, on Facebook, you see these people who say that, you know, they've had their child and every second is a blessing. Those people are liars. Right? Absolutely. That's, that's just not true at all. Like, some, great and sometimes it's terrible. But, you know, mostly good fun. 
and um, you know, it's 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 an interesting time, I suppose, because um, having my son, um, we, we we had him, you know, three months after we moved into the house. Um, so, you know, my original plan, if you can ever have a plan for these things, is um, yeah, be in the house with just my wife and I for about a year and just have some time to relax and really enjoy it, um, just the two of us. And, you know, I ended up with three months, so not quite the year that I was hoping for, but um, I think it kind of brings about sort of an interesting set of challenges is when you're trying to focus on two really massive things at the same time, you know, building a house, moving into a new house, uh, getting ready to have a baby, you know, start a family, etc. Um, it's, it's really difficult, actually, to try and do those two things at the same time. Um, and I think one of the things that's quite interesting is that you, in, a, in our case, you kind of, your, your, your priorities diverge a little bit. My wife became very, very focused on having a child. Um, and I was still obsessed with the house. So I'd want to talk about the house all the time. She'd want to talk about the child all the time. Um, and it's, it's quite difficult to try and put those two things together sometimes, but you know, it's great. Um, and we're here now and there's three of us and it's, it's just a great place to be. So. Yeah, can't argue with that. And and now you've got a, the space for it too. I mean, that's got to be great, right? That being able to start a new family and a new life, really, in a brand new space that's all yours and not just yours, but also designed by you, right? So exactly what you were envisioning as a family home. Hopefully, we'll get into that in a minute. But th that's got to be a great feeling, right? So the last time we spoke, you've taken us through the whole process of um, first recognizing that you actually need a bigger space, which must have been a pretty quick progression and then you were looking at older homes that could maybe be renovated into that space and then you finally realized that it made more sense to simply design and build your own home and then the entire process itself or at least the beginning of the process where we uh, where we hooked up so of actually pulling that off so maybe fill us in on how did it all pan out I mean I know the house is completed and it looks gorgeous we'll link to the pics and the blog in the show notes again but was it completed on time? Did you end up using all of that um, financial buffer that you set aside for unexpected expenses and so forth? And did you run into any other major hurdles? Could, could you run us through the rest of the story? Um, yeah. So I think when we last spoke, I think we just pretty much started um, the construction from what I remember. But certainly it was fairly early stages. Um, so, I mean, there was a number of things along the way which... which cause sort of delays and, and I think that's going to be expected in any project. Um, so, you know, we ended up moving in about sort of eight, nine months after we planned to. And I think some of that was down to us and changes that we made and some of it was down to things that were unavoidable and some of it was down to, you know, a lack of contractors, for example. I think the Olympics um, had quite a lot to do with that. A lot of the contractors would disappeared off to Tokyo to go and build, you know, stadiums and hotels and stuff like that. So I get the impression that everything sort of slowed down a little bit. Um, but in terms of the sort of the major bumps in the road, they kind of link into the, um, the sort of financial buffer that you talked about. Um, and there was kind of, there was a couple of things. One was the, um, when there was a big earthquake in Osaka a few years back, um, and um, there was a tragic story of a little girl who was killed by a, a retaining wall which fell down. Um, after that happened, the regulations for retaining walls, and our property has a retaining wall, 
um, got much, much stricter. Um, so as a result, we had to sort of slightly redesign part of the, um, the retaining wall, and that cost, I mean, I can't remember, I think it was $10,000 or something like that. It was a lot to, to, to get that sorted. Um, and I think also we were quite lucky. It could have been a lot worse. Um, so that was one thing. And then later on in the process, um, they did this, uh, what's it called, Swedish sounding or something like that. They did it again to see how things would, were, were looking in terms of the land. And we'd always known this was a possibility, but um, in one, well, one and a half corners of the house, there was um, some areas of land that were just not really strong enough um, to support you know, the sort of structure that we wanted to build. So we had to put in steel pilings um, into the um, into the land for the earthquake security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are really expensive. Um, I think they were twenty, thirty thousand dollars for that job um, alone. Wow. Um, serious, serious engineering and structural work. So, and that kind of thing in Japan is always expensive, and you know, steel's expensive, and, and that kind of labor is expensive, and machinery is expensive. So. Um, we went over a lot on the budget for those elements, um, but it was not stuff that we thought was impossible. We always thought there was a, a possibility that we'd have to do that. Um, and we, we kind of had a principle from the beginning that Japan being what it is, um, we didn't care, I wouldn't say we didn't care, but we were less concerned about putting money into the land than we were putting money into the house. Um, the house, I mean, who knows what the future holds, but we're working on the basis that the house will have no residual value by the time, you know, our son is grown up and, and, and we would ever think about moving on. So, it's usually a safe bet in Japan, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the only way you can look at it, right? That you've got to assume the house is going to be worth nothing. Um, of course, our house is well built. It's, you know, the company's been fantastic. It's, you know, it's built to last. But that doesn't mean to say that people are going to still be prepared to pay for it. Whereas the land, the land should always have value. It's in a reasonable spot on the outskirts of Osaka, um, got a wonderful view, it's a decent sized plot, um, and we got it for a steal because it wasn't really workable. Um, and we had to do quite a lot of you know, alterations and modifications to it just to get it in the stage where we could have this nice house that we have on it now. So um, I think in that respect, it was easier to think about putting money into the land than it was to put money into the house. Does that make sense? It does. Can I just pause you there and ask, the work that you've had done on the land or the retaining wall and so forth, will that carry over to whoever ends up purchasing the place or is that something that needs to be redone every decade or what? Well, I think it's a question of whether the regulations stay the same. Um, as, as far, I mean, regulations around retaining walls are pretty strict, which is why when we rebuilt, or when we built our house, we had to do quite a lot in order to make that you know, safe and stable, and let's be honest, that's the sort of thing that you want to do anyway. If you're going to live somewhere for 30 years, absolutely, um, you don't want to be living on, you know, quicksand. You want to be making sure that, you know, when the rains come, as they do, and the typhoons come, you're not staring out of the window trying to see if your house is going to fall down the, house, down the hill or the mountain or whatever. So um, it was stuff that we were happy to do anyway. Um, I think it's been done to a very high standard. I mean, I'm not a structural engineer, but... Um, the, it makes sense when you look at the plans for what they've done um, and the way that they have shored up the retaining wall, built the parking space, you know, concreted everything in. I mean, it's built to last. Um, so I would imagine unless there's any major um, 
you know, regulation changes, if someone decides to buy our plot of land in 30 years' time and they want to build a brand new house, I would hope that they'd be able to just knock down our house and then build a new one kind of as is, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, but who knows, you know, Japan, the regulations are changing all the time. They could decide that, you know, retaining walls have got to go and they've got to be replaced by something else, in which case, you know, whoever has to rebuild would have to do that. But, um, I, I mean, I think that it's, I think it's going to be fine. And then the um, financial buffer that you mentioned, that was, I think, you said up to 20%. Did that actually do it? Did you have to add more on top of that? Um, so as far as the land was concerned, um, we, I mean, we didn't go over that much by what we thought. We probably went over by 5%, 10% in terms of the land. Um, on, the, on the house side of it, um, I, I'm sort of reticent to call it a financial buffer. We, we sort of made a few upgrades, things that we... Um, it wasn't so much contingency, it was things that we decided we liked more. Um, so, you know, for example, we, we used a hardwood kitchen as opposed to, you know, the, the whatever the boards, the melanin board or whatever it might be for the cabinets. You know, and that was an upgrade, but that was something that we felt that it was worth going into that buffer for. Um, inside the house, there weren't really any major, you know, requirements to spend money where we didn't want to. Um, a little bit of air conditioning ducting because we have a sort of upside down house so the living room's upstairs for example so yeah there were a few complications and, and sort of false walls here and there but I mean we're not talking anything like even 1% of the total this would be fractions of that um, so most of the decisions that we made in terms of the house um, were, were, were not really sort of things that we had to do they were things that we wanted to um, one area where we did end up um, using, I suppose, some of that financial buffer was outside the house on the landscaping. Um, landscaping in Japan is really expensive, um, but it's also it's quite hard to do yourself if you don't have the tools and if it's you know you don't have the equipment. Um, and I think we looked at it sort of on the whole and said, well, you know, we can either buy these tools or rent these tools, learn how to do it ourselves, for example, and then we might do it okay, we might screw it up, and then we have to get a professional to do it, or we can just get a professional to do it in the beginning, and then we don't have to get the tools and don't have to learn how to use them and don't have to then store them and don't run the risk of you know screwing it up. Um, so in that sense, we, we ended up spending more on the landscaping than perhaps we, we wanted to, but I think that was the right decision, and especially with a kid um, on the way. Um, you know, digging tons and tons of earth and, and, and doing that would have been a bit of a nightmare. And I'm pretty sure if we hadn't done that, we'd be looking at, you know, no garden, no landscaping, no nothing now, because we just wouldn't have the time. Um, so I suppose in that sense, we used a bit of the financial buffer there. Um, but on that, um, I think one of the things that we did quite well, and we made tons of mistakes along the way, but one of the things that we did quite well is that... Um, we made an Excel spreadsheet um, of everything we could imagine that we would need to furnish the house. Um, and because we had so long to plan, um, in terms of, you know, it took three years or so from start to finish, from, from the, the beginning of this project and buying the land to actually moving in, um, we could kind of wear down a lot of our old stuff that we had. So, you know, we didn't replace anything in the three, four years or so before we moved in. So. When it came time to move, we could we could get a brand new washing machine, and a, you know, a new dishwasher, and a new you know sofa, and a new all this type of thing. Um, so 
what we did is we, we saved up some of the money from, from that sort of three, four years not replacing stuff um, and basically itemized everything that we wanted for the house and a budget for each thing. Um, and then instead of getting sort of, you know, really bogged down in individual details or individual things that we want, we worked on that budget as a whole. Um, so, you know, if we found a sofa that we really liked, instead of saying, well, we budgeted 100,000 yen for a sofa, um, by looking at the whole budget on a macro level, you know, we could take some extra money from, you know, the, the dining table that we were going to buy and then put that into the sofa. And it gave us quite a lot of freedom to be able to do that because it meant that we could have pretty much exactly what we wanted. Um, and we weren't too constrained when it came to individual decisions. Um, and actually, because we ended up using Rakuten and building up all these points and all this other thing, we ended up coming in way under budget for the whole thing. Um, and we basically managed to start from, you know, pretty much brand new stuff inside with warranties and guarantees and stuff. So um, I think that side of the finances, um, I think we did really well. That's a really uh, clever way to do it, actually, because that also means that you must have saved a bunch on moving fees, right? Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, also, my wife's a pretty good negotiator. Um, I think she probably got the lowest price that anyone has ever got in Kansai. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know how they made any money, to be honest. Uh, but actually, it's interesting you mentioned moving. There's quite a funny story. Um, when we did move, we didn't have that much stuff. Um, but they said, um, oh, we'll probably need a three-ton truck because we're going to do it with some other delivery. And we didn't really know the area, you know, all of the back streets of the area that we were moving to. So I said, yeah, I'm sure that'd be fine. Um, and then we got a call from them, sort of 10 minutes away, and they said, we can't get the truck to your house. Ouch. So we said, well, what, what are you going to do then? And they said, well, we can't get the truck to your house. Um, and we were kind of, you know, going around sort of, you know, ro roads that we didn't know, um, trying to find a route for them to come to the house. And eventually what happened is they parked the truck up about 500 meters away, and they moved all the stuff. They called in sort of all the local teams and stuff, and they moved it all with, like, you know, those trolley things. Oh, poor um, buggers. And I was in my car, like, doing round trips to sort of help them, you know, to move the stuff. And they were absolutely amazing. Um, I think at one point they had eight, nine guys that were all working, like, on our house move in our house at the same time. Um, and, you know, all for this low, low, low price that my wife had negotiated. We couldn't believe it. Um, but actually, yeah, probably, to, to be fair, I should give them a bit of a shout-out. Um, that is Full Marks for Sakai Moving Company, the one with the panda on it. Which oh, that's the one we used when we moved. They are awesome. They, they also um, they put all of these panel, like cardboard panels everywhere to avoid scratching stuff, and they're phenomenal. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Like, absolutely unbelievable service. And, yeah. and at the end of it, I don't know if you remember this, but they, they have this kind of 10-minute service period, right, where... They'll do something for you for 10 minutes, like they'll do some light cleaning or they'll put a table together or whatever. And I said to them, it's like, yeah, guys, just relax. It's fine. <laughs> no, we've got to do something. We've got to do something in the 10-minute service period. So I do remember so that, yeah. <laughs> threw that table leg on or something like that. Um, they were phenomenal. They were really, really good. Um, but I think, you know, of course there's, there's, there's various hurdles along the way and there's, there's things that you... You, you find difficult and there is unexpected financial expense but I think as much as you can if you can prepare for that and take like a macro view 
not only for the sort of possessions that you're putting into it, but also for the project as a whole. And try as best you can not to get too, you know, bogged down in individual things, especially things that you can't control, and try to just keep a, a, a sort of a big picture approach. Um, then at that point, then you can get to sort of, you know, a sense of, you know, happiness and, and understanding that you're going to get to the end and it's going to be completed I might spend a little bit extra than you plan to but it's going to be worth it in the end and if I'm hearing you correctly I, I guess a sub subtopic there is the fact that the um, the actual architecture or design or building company that you ended up and I think you mentioned when we spoke previously that that was all done under the same roof they've actually been on spot-on with their planning right like everything that you had to do or pay extra expenses for was not due to anything that they haven't thought about oh, no, I mean they, they've been a hundred percent open and transparent every step of the way um, and unless there's some hole under the house that we haven't seen or something like that um, they have been very communicative they've explained you know why we have to do things or given us options when things have had to change um, They've used all the materials that we've asked. I mean, like, I have heard horror stories online about some of these building companies just, you know, bait-and-switching materials and, you know, not doing things they said they were going to do and sort of shoddy workmanship and all that sort of thing. I mean, we haven't had that experience at all. Um, we know where every yen has been spent, how everything has been itemized, um, everything has been communicated. Um, we've seen what they've done. Um And I guess part of that is is the fact that, I mean, I think they're just very professional in the first place, but also, you know, I can walk to their offices in five minutes. Um, they're in our town, right? So if there's any problems, then they're there, and it's their local reputation. I mean, obviously, they don't want to go and build houses the other side of the prefecture. They'd much rather build them on their doorstep, right? Because it's so much easier. So I think... By going local, um, you can, I don't suppose you can, you can't say that you can guarantee a level of um, quality, but in a, in a sense there's kind of an insurance policy against at least transparency and honesty because you don't tend to lie to people that you live next door to, right? Or most people don't. So I think... I haven't had any of those experiences that you read about, about, you know, you... you lift off the wallpaper and find there's nothing underneath it or anything like that you know we've we've had transparency from day one and open communication from day one so um yeah I, that's that's not a situation that i'm really familiar with so maybe we were just lucky but I, i would like to think that that's the norm but maybe it's not that's great and feel free to also uh, give them a shout out by name if you want i'm sure there are other people who wouldn't mind uh, working with a company like that Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link, and you can put it in the uh, in the thing below the uh, below the, uh, the the recording or something like that. It's not a problem. That's brilliant. And then, what what was the handoff process like at the end of it? Like, once it's all done, is there any sort of um, uh, do they accompany you throughout a certain period? Do they obviously they provide some sort of warranty on stuff? But what what was the handoff like? So uh, it was it was really interesting. The We, we um, obviously, our stuff came separately and we drove over. Um, and I remember sitting in almost silence in the car as we went over. Like, it, it's that sort of level of excitement because it's something you've been building up to and building up to and building up to. Um, 
we didn't quite get it in the same way because we hadn't actually moved out of our old apartment. There was a sort of three, four day crossover. So um, we were coming to visit the house and see the house, but it wasn't like we were going to sleep there that night. So it wasn't quite that, but it was still you know, a very sort of exciting time. Um, and when we got there, um, they were still actually finishing up some of the stuff outside, um, which was interesting. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. It's sort of very you know, last minute. And they said, oh, we'll get this finished this week. So that was the first impression we had. And then when we came up into the house and, you know, they took us upstairs and they went through this massive pile of, you know, documents and sets of keys and, you know, explained to us how things worked and how the air conditioner worked and all that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, we got to light the first fire in the, in the wood burning stove to see how that worked. Um, and, you know, they, they talked us through everything, explained a few things about what we needed to do. And then they gave us the paperwork that we had to, you know, to income and then we could go and make the final payment. Um, and then that was it. We were left to ourselves in the house for the first time. Um, and we just sort of wandered around a bit and yeah, opened a few cupboards um, <laughs> and then went up onto the roof, had a look at the view, walked around the outside a bit, couldn't go on the grass because it was still grassy, um, and then said, all right, and then went back to our apartment. Um, and then, you know, two days later, obviously, we came back to, to move everything in and then it sort of progressed from there. But it's amazing. It was this sort of, I wouldn't say it was an anticlimax because it wasn't, but we were, we were so excited and so ready to go there, and then we got to the house, did a bit of paperwork, wandered around for a bit, took a few photos, and then went back to our apartment. Um, so it was kind of an interesting experience, I guess. It wasn't quite what I expected. We expected this sort of big ceremony and, you know, bottle of champagne smashed against the side of the house. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I mean, right? And it wasn't really like that. It was, it was sort of very quiet and very restrained and a few bits of paperwork, and then that was it. We were left to our own devices. Um, and, yeah, a, an odd experience, but, but a good one. And that, that, there's got to be that, like, that sense of fulfillment or, or relief just knowing that it's all behind you, isn't there? I mean, I remember last time we spoke, you said there wasn't a day that goes by when you're not thinking about the project, so... What, what do you do with all of that, I don't want to call it dead time, but all of that brain silence now? Or, or does the fact that you own a new home now come with its own set of things to think about? Um, I kind of miss it, actually. <laughs> I miss thinking about the house all the time and the planning. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think with, 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 a, with, a, with a almost one-year-old, there's, there's not a lot of free time, to be honest. Um, my, I mean, if I, if I find myself free in the evening, I go to bed. Like, um, my bedtime has gone from 2 o'clock in the morning when I was, you know, 18 to, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning when I was 25 to, you know, now it's like 8 p.m. I want to go to bed. So um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if there, there's any sort of, you know, dead time in terms of, you know, not having anything to think about. But I do miss that sort of having a project on the go. Um, you know, little ones are hard work, but it's kind of the same every day. I'm pretty much the same every day. Whereas this was, there was something different every day. Um, and I do miss that. I don't feel the sense of relief at having finished it. Um, I'd love living here. Um, and yes, there are other things that you have to think about. But again, that's one of the benefits of building a home from scratch 
is that you don't get the maintenance issues, you don't get the boiler breaking, you don't get the you know needing to replace stuff and repaint stuff um, at least immediately. So it's nice not to have to worry about those things. Um, and you know it's nice to have all of the new stuff you've got is in warranty, and if it breaks, then you call up a number and they'll send a replacement round. Um, so it's like it's nice not living in a house that's full of clutter, right? It's nice not living in a space where. Um, you know, it takes lots and lots of cleaning all the time because, you know, most of the walls are there, we don't have pictures up, you know, yet we're still sort of, still sort of moving in, in a sense. Um, so, you know, the house doesn't actually cause us much stress at all, certainly compared to having the, 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 the baby. Um, but it is really rewarding. Um, and it's such a great place to, to, to live. There's something still great about coming, or going upstairs in the morning. Obviously, we sleep downstairs and, and the living room is upstairs. So going upstairs in the morning and pulling back the shutters and then seeing Osaka, um, that's still really cool. And then at the end of the day, you know, sitting on the balcony um, and watching the sun go down over the city, that's also, you know, that's something pretty special. So I think whilst a lot of living in the house becomes a little bit sort of mundane and every day and you stop to, you know, you know feel the beauty of the house everywhere and make you lose the, the sense of the wood smell, for example... Um, there are still those moments when you think, oh, I'm really, really lucky to live here. Um, and I definitely think that that, you know, you talked about fulfillment and the rewards of it. And, you know, it is just such a great space to live in. Um, and I think we're really grateful for that. That that sounds brilliant. And you definitely deserve a rest, I think, after everything. I mean, the house, the baby and the pandemic, I guess you're... Um, your family obviously couldn't come to visit yet. And you obviously haven't... Have they seen the baby at all? Uh, I mean, they've seen him on the video camera, yeah, but not face to face. Um, I think it's it's. I mean, it's, it's impossible for anyone to come in at the moment. And um, in terms of me going back, well, there's quarantine to think about. Um, I mean, I'm from the UK originally, so up until quite recently, I would have said it wasn't a particularly sensible idea in terms of safety to go back. The UK seems to have got its act together in terms of vaccinations and stuff, so. I'd be very happy to go back now. My concerns would be about, um, you know, getting stuck outside Japan, as I know has happened to many people, um, and then other issues around sort of quarantine and things like that. Um, without getting too much into politics, I hope Japan gets its act together and starts, you know, vaccinating people. Um, otherwise, something else is going to kill me before coronavirus does. Um, but, yeah, I think it, that, that's a source of great frustration is the fact that um, not only with the baby, but we've got this fantastic house and kind of no one to share it with because you know, we're in a state of emergency and you know we've been very good about not meeting people and not socialising. Um, and I think that's okay with, a, with, a, with, a, with an almost one-year-old, but as he gets older and starts to have things that he remembers, it's really important for him to socialize and for us to socialize and to meet people. And we want to share this house with people and have you know, barbecues and dinner and all that sort of thing. So um, that's been very, very difficult, I think. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, and we're really looking forward to when things opening up and we can get vaccinated and everyone can feel safe and well again and then finally we can start to share this place with friends and family and, and others yeah i'll drink to that i mean we we moved um just as my son um turned 11 and he, we went straight into a new school and then right 
two weeks after that the pandemic hit and um, he basically can't go to friends houses and they can come to his house and that's really hard to make new friends in a new neighborhood in that sort of situation so I really hope by the time your sons um, start socializing it'll definitely be uh, behind us or at least um, we'll we'll find ways to work around it all right well Look, thanks again for coming on the show to give us the update, uh, Tom. I think like our first talk, it's a real eye-opener for many people who are considering or are just starting the process of doing what you did. So it's really, really appreciated. Um, any other plans involving houses or real estate on your radar? Are you saying that you miss a project? Did you get the bug now or are you content with never having to think about houses and properties ever again? Uh, I don't know if I'd ever build a house again. <laughs> Partly because having built this one, I don't really ever want to leave it, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, if, if, if we ever had to move again to a different city, a different country, or, or something like that, I would be really keen to build a house again and take some of the lessons that we've learned from this place and just go through that process again. I think it would be, I, I hate to say, I think it would be quite fun to do that again. In terms of in Japan, well, I think one of the things about Japan is that there are so many properties that you can buy for, relatively speaking, at least compared to our home countries, next to nothing. Um, so I think that there's a possibility that at some point in the future we might do some kind of a holiday beso or something like that. Um, somewhere in the countryside with a little bit more scenery, um, get away from the summer heat, that sort of thing. But certainly you wouldn't want to build something new. It would It would be something that would be a lot cheaper than that. Maybe something where we could do some renovation. I think that could be quite fun. Are you the um, uh, DIY type, or are you going to get a company to do that? I'm not. No. Um, I, I, I always used to say there's two types of people. There's people that own a toolbox, and there's people that pay professionals to do this stuff. <laughs> um, and I always thought that I was going to be of the second type, because, you know, life is short. I can't really bother to learn that type of thing. And, you know, I'm probably not going to be very good at it anyway, so better to get someone who knows what they're doing. However, I do now own a toolbox. With <laughs> I know what most of them do. And maybe, maybe that could be the new challenge. Maybe it's something where I could say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. Um, and actually, these days, it's probably never been easier to do that. You can find YouTube videos on absolutely everything. So, and there's some really good channels out there and even people in Japan who are doing renovation stuff. So um, maybe that could be the new challenges, you know, buy a cheap or somewhere and maybe get my toolbox out, dust it off and, and, and have a go at some DIY. That could be the next thing. And then if I, if I screw it up and, you know, the house falls down, then we can build a new one. <laughs> you know how to do that. <laughs> but, oh. That's great, man. Th thanks again. Uh, huge thanks for filling us in. And uh, I, I know and I think our listeners as well really appreciate learning from your experience. So thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. So there you go. A real journey and very much a labor of love from the sound of it. We'll link to uh, Tom's blog, uh, which documents his journey and, of course, has some nice photos of the house and the surrounding area on it, too as well as to the first conversation we've had here on the podcast. And uh, that's all going to be in this episode show notes. And we're also, as always, going to link to our second sponsor's website. And that's, you know, Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer, administrative scrivener extraordinaire. 
If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or if you're already in Japan on some sort of uh, temporary visa and you want to switch to a permanent one, or for any other business and visa-related inquiry, don't be shy. Contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com, all one word, and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and consultation related to these topics, which he's already done for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com. We're going to link to that in the show notes as well. And that's it from us for today, folks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks. And please leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes Store or on Spotify. Or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode or via our website, nippontradings.com, N-I-P-P-O-N, tradings with an S, again, all one word, .com. It's a new website. It looks lovely. And we would love to know what you think. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku.